The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio, and we're so happy to be with you each week. You know, this week, many states are opening up for the sake of their economy and their residents, getting them back to work. I know that you're a big proponent of that, Dr. Very much so. So many states are adhering to President Trump's guidelines of waiting 14 days with a flat curve of deaths, while many states aren't. So depending on where you live and if you choose to go out, as before, remember to be careful. Please keep social distancing in place in the dog park and in pet stores or any place that you visit with your pet. Um, and we, like I said, we want you and your pets to stay healthy and to stay safe, right? Absolutely. So now let's kick off the show with a weekly countdown. Four. In segment four, we speak with Dr. Tamisha Hubbard, owner of the Alabama Veterinary Allergy and Dermatology Service, as well as an associate professor at Tuskegee Veterinary College. Three. In this segment, Charlotte and I are talking with Dr. Chris Duke of Bienville Animal Medical Center and president of the American Heartworm Society about detection and prevention of canine and feline heartworm. Two, in this portion, we give you the up-to-date celebrity pet scoop and, of course, flex facts. Today, we're going to talk about exam room etiquette. That's the topic of the day. And in one, animal care officers came to the rescue of a dog left alone in a New York City apartment after her owner went to the hospital with suspected COVID-19 symptoms. When the dog's owner was admitted to the hospital, she was so worried about her pooch that she threatened to leave the health care facility. And joining us to talk about this case and having an emergency plan is Scott Giacopo, the president of National Animal Care and Control. Scott is also the director of National Shelter Outreach for Best Friends Animal Society. Scott, we want to thank you for taking time away from your busy schedule to join us today on the Pet Buzz. Well, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. You know, when we think of workers on the front lines of coronavirus, we don't necessarily think of animal care and control officers and shelter staff. That's not the case. Truly, it's not. Animal care and control men and women are on the front lines dealing with cases like the one I mentioned above as well as relinquishment of animals, domestic violence, animal abuse, and more. Can you talk to us a little bit about how these frontline workers navigate the unexpected challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic? Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm hearing from officers all over the, the country about the challenges that they're facing in this, in light of this pandemic. Um, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things we're faced with is when someone is, is removed from their home from due to illnesses, um, uh, or fatality, unfortunately, and a, an animal control officer has to go in and retrieve a pet. Um, they know that the person that was in the home uh, was COVID-19 positive. Uh, they don't know whether or not they have the proper gear to go in, whether or not it's safe. And, and they're, they're literally taking their, their own safety in their hands by going in and retrieving that animal. 
Uh, and, and it's something that we at, at the National Animal Care Control Association have put out guidelines on how an officer can respond to that and what steps they need to take to do it safely and humanely. You know, one of the things Dr. Fleck and I talked about last night, because veterinarians are going through some of the same things that you are, is lack of supplies. You know, their distributors don't have as many masks and gowns to send. And I know that's one of the challenges that um, you folks on the front line deal with, correct? Correct. And, you know, what we're doing at NACA, the National Animal Care and Control Association, is we're working closely with both the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association, the Association of Shelter Vets, as well as the CDC guidelines to really try and navigate what is the what is necessary. Um, you know, and, and, and our first guideline that we put out in regards to going into a COVID positive home was that they should be wearing an N95 mask. Uh, and that was something that we believed at the time um, was necessary. And then through those conversations, through those partnerships we have, we found that as long as there is not a human being in there conversing with them and all that, that they could just use a cloth face mask. Um, and the same with gowns. They don't need to necessarily be the disposable ones. They can be the ones that, you know, once outside, they can remove, put into a trash bag and then uh, wash and reuse. So it was things like that that we're really trying to keep a close eye on the the, the standard um, guidelines and recommendations by all of these other agencies that, so that we can provide the information to the officers and shelter staff to make them feel and be safe. You know, last week Charlotte talked about this New Jersey relinquishment case coming out of Mammoth County where a dog was relinquished because both owners died of corona. As a result, Scott, we would like you to talk to us about why it is important for pet parents to have a plan for their pets if they were to contact coronavirus. You know, the importance of having a pet protection plan is, is so, uh, I can't even, I can't say enough of how important that is. Um, we, you know, obviously most people feel that pets are part of the family. Uh, they love their pets, they do anything for their pets, and they, they don't take those precautions um, beforehand if they are going to be hospitalized, and they don't make agreements with other people um, to, you know, provide care. And and what we're recommending is that you do have that plan in place so that, um, you know, you have uh, at least three different people lined up. And not only, not only people, but access to your home. There's been situations uh, around this country where animal control officers have had to go in and get search warrants to enter properties after people have been removed to go back in and get the animals. And it's an unnecessary time-consuming step that, you know, ultimately uh, the animal ends up suffering as a result of that. They end up staying in the home for a couple of days without proper food and water and care, waiting for that to happen. Um, So what we're recommending, and, and Best Friends Animal Society actually put out a template for people to use on their website, um, where as soon as you feel like you might be getting sick, there's a template that you would fill out naming three individuals that, that the EMTs or, or law enforcement or animal control could contact that have access to you at your house and can provide care to your pet. And you would put that like right on the back of your, the inside of your door so that when EMTs come in and if you are unresponsive, which happens uh, in a lot of cases, you know, before before the EMTs even get there, you go on unresponsive. The EMTs or the official will see that document, 
and be able to reach out to those individuals and help um, help provide care for those animals while they're in the home. Because we want the animals to stay in the home. We don't want them removed. We don't want them in a shelter. It's not a safe place for them. I mean, and, and when I say it's not a safe place for them, from a psychological standpoint for the animal, the animal's scared. And I know, you know, I have four cats, and I wouldn't want any one of them to spend a day in a shelter. And I've, I've spent my entire career working in shelters, and I'm not saying they're terrible places, but from their perspective, it's unfamiliar, it's scary, it's stressful. Their immune system is going to be compromised because of that stress. And all it takes is for one cat to come in with a, another virus. Um, you know, there are so many other viruses that cats can carry um, and, and, you know, could get that cat sick. In addition to the fact that shelter staff are, 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 are also affected by the, this pandemic where they're out sick, they're on furlough, the sh- shelter staff, uh, you know, they're being reduced, their hours are being reduced. So the ideal goal is to keep your pets at home where they belong and where they're comfortable. And if you could arrange with a friend or family member to just come into your home, Right next to your door, you know, you could put a food and water station um, and, you know, they don't have to go searching and all that. They come in, they put down food, they put down water, maybe scoop the litter box or if it's a dog, you know, maybe they could even take them to their house. They can, you know, like a foster care situation. But the goal is to keep those animals out of the shelter and in the homes where they belong. And, and, and as a pet owner, um, I can't imagine anyone would think otherwise. Scott, I right. want to thank you so much for joining us on the Peppas. Yes, show. thank you for joining us. I mean, you are an incredible guest, and I really want you to come back. And for more information, visit Animal Care and Control at NACNET.org. Up next, the Celebrity Pet Scoop and Flex Facts. You don't want to miss that. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I'm pet expert Charlotte Reed, and I want to remind you how important it is to protect your pet against fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes with preventative tablets and topicals. By giving your dogs and cats preventative meds throughout the year, you are protecting your pet from Lyme disease, heartworm, flea allergies, worms, and more, causing unwanted and costly vet bills. Most importantly, these parasites can infiltrate your home, causing you and your family's health to be compromised. Remember, healthy pets healthy you. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy. 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. 
That's epi-pet.com. So thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. That's us, right? That's I'm, us. Yep. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. And Reed. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. So let's kick off this segment, segment two, with celebrity pet news. Well, according to designer Jeremy Scott, legends never die. Scott penned these words as he thought about the recent death of singer Katy Perry's cat, Kitty Purry. The singer made the sad announcement last week on Instagram that her furry companion, Kitty Purry, had gone to catnip heaven. She wrote that her cat crawled through her then-boyfriend's window 15 years ago, fully pregnant and seeking shelter. Two litters and many moons later, that street cat became a lovable mascot to many. Perry also posted a series of throwback photos of the star holding her cat in her arms. Katie noted that her cat completed her ninth life and hoped that she rested in salmon fillets and tuna tartare way up in catnip heaven. Rest in peace and Godspeed, Kitty Perry. And now, what you all have been waiting for, Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! It's going to take long. You got the time. Dr. Fleck, what's the topic for the week? Today, we are going to talk about exam room etiquette. Ooh, you know, I wrote that book, Miss Fido Manners, so I'm specifically interested in what you have to say about That's this topic. That's why we chose that word, yes. Okay. Okay. So, what do we need to know? Well, let's start with cats. Okay. Meow. Yep, yep. Cats should always be contained in a carrier, box, pillowcase, <laughs> something that contains them, of course, until we're ready for them to be examined. Okay. So, we don't want them to get hurt, get loose, or inflict damage or hurt other patrons, other pets, the -hmm. staff, or others visiting the practice. Okay, that makes sense to me. So keep your pet contained. Okay, and now what about dogs? Dogs must be leashed and not with one of those retractable leads. I hate those retractable leads in the office. There is no place for an unlocked, flexible length leash in stressful close quarters. Remove the leash. When they're on the exam table only. Okay, so we're talking about the dogs and the cats. So we should have the cats contained until they go into the exam room, and then you as the doctor decide to take them out. And the same thing for the dogs. The dogs, they'll be on a leash. They come into the practice. And then when they're in the exam room, you could either hold, you know, someone could hold the leash on the dog, right? Yep. Or you could take it off when the dog is on the exam table. Okay. And your assistant and is we, holding we, it. We always do take the leashes off of the pets. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Because especially if they're on the exam table and they try to jump off, it might get hung or something like that. Well, not so much the concern for that, but it's actually in the way for okay. our exam. Sure. Okay. That makes sense to me. Okay. So, you know, no one can live today without their cell phone. Oh, yes, they can. Well, you can because you forget it all the time. And that, but that's also but they an, can I think too. That's an age thing. When they're okay. in my exam room, okay. they should live without their cell phone. Okay, so so talk about that a little bit. Well, talking on the cell phones can actually be very disruptive if you're in the reception area. Okay, okay. But it can even be more of a problem if you choose to do it in the exam room when the doctor is trying to work with you about 
what issues may be existing with your pet and you're not paying attention and it's just a, too much of a distraction. So please, in the exam room, do not use your cell phone. And most of the time you'll see a, a, a sign on the door of the exam room. Cell phones sure. must be turned off. No, I mean, I've seen But people, in the reception area, please it's don't. Dis- it's discouraged it's, upon. It, it is. It, it's disappointing how they can be uh, to other people. Well, yeah, because you're in close quarters. Well, now, obviously, you're not in such close quarters, but you're in close quarters. You're talking on the cell phone, disturbing. Um, it's now, just rude. Yeah, it's rude, especially in a close quarter. And, and really, you know, some people want an audience. If the they conversation want. is that important, then take the conversation outside. Or, you know, or really just reschedule the appointment. If you have, now I can understand if or you have reschedule children, the appointment. you have an emergency. You know, and I've been in your been in your office when people have come in with emergencies or had an emergency while they're there. So they let the person next go ahead of them. I must say, though, most people are very respectful about it in my office. Yeah, I would say that, too. Okay, so let's talk about pet owners wanting to restrain pets. We let our assistants restrain our pets. Okay, so you frown a frown on that. I do frown on that. And I frown on that because they don't know how to restrain the pet so that I can do a proper exam or do procedures, for example, pulling blood from the veins in the front leg. Sure. So it's really important for our trained staff to be restraining I can't even do that. You've asked me to help hold one of our pets, and I can't even do it properly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, yeah, so I guess, in other words, let the pros handle your pet. Please. Okay. What else? (laughs) Talk to me about what else. Well, part of this is do not interact with your pet when we're trying to Get our business done. Okay. We're trying to do an exam. Right. Don't play with the pet. Don't distract the pet. We're trying to discover what the issue is. Yeah, but I think a lot of times people want it. They think they're soothing their pet by petting it or trying to calm it down, you know, and I think that makes, in some ways, that reinforces what's going on. Yeah, in my exam rooms, what I do is I have chairs in my exam room to encourage people to sit in the chair while we do the exam or perform certain procedures. You know, I think for you it's really a balance because I think a lot of times you don't like it. Um, you like to interact with the owner and you get upset when you hear about these vets who, you know, assistant comes, take the pet and does all the work. And then finally the vet comes in, does a few things. So I think it's a balancing act. Well, we're really very hands on. Okay. Uh, sort of veterinary practice. Okay. No, I, no, I see that. I mean, I see that when you're with our pets. I mean, you know. Yeah, and also, you know, you just, you want the people to observe what's going on and see and not get all involved in the hoopla. It makes everyone crazy. Anything else? Nope. That's all the Flex Facts for this week. Great. Well, stick around, everybody. More of the pet buzz very soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the Week. They call me Prince like I'm royalty or something. But the places I've lived ain't no palaces. So I don't need grilled salmon or a new scratching post. Just give me a cardboard box and a can of tuna and we're good. You can even change my name. I'm cool being the kitty formerly known as Prince. 
person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Should you bathe your pet? Well, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and I'm asked that question often. How often you should wash your dog depends on a number of factors, including his health, breed, coat, and activity level, as well as where these activities are taking place. Dogs who spend days outside rolling in things are going to need a bath far more often than the ones who spend most of their time on the couch. Or you can always take the smell test. If your dog walks into the room and you can smell them, it's time for a bath. Make sure when it's time for a bath, you gather up all the supplies, including a non-slip mat and plenty of towels. Use shampoo formulated for dogs and turn your cell phone off to avoid distraction. And if you have a dog that hates getting a bath, smear some peanut butter on the bathtub wall and let him lick it off while you bathe him. Then he'll know bathing can really be a treat. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple, and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie, who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Hey, welcome back. You are listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. That's the way it has to be because that's the way. It's genius. It's to die for. I like it. And now for my I likey of the week. You know, everyone needs a hero and Hearts and Bones Dog Rescue, located in both New York City and Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, realizes this. According to Allison Selig, the director of marketing for Hearts and Bones Rescue. We're thanking workers on the front lines uh, by naming our dogs after everyday heroes who are nominated by their friends and family members. Can you tell me some of the names of the of, that you gave the dogs and whom were they named after? A couple of the names. Um, we named one Nurse Allie. She is a nurse working on Long Island on a COVID unit. And she told us she was really nervous when she first he- heard she was being moved to support on the floors in the midst of the crisis. But she quickly realized it was the best thing she could do to help wherever she was needed and said the experience has reminded her why she got into nursing in the first place. Uh, We have another one named after a paramedic in NYC. His name is Medic Montesino. He puts his life on the line every day to respond to the incredible number of emergency calls that are coming through in New York City. And he comes home exhausted every night. He has a wife and three kids, but she says he's still an amazing dad to all three kids and his hearts and bones dog named Loki. 
We have another dog named after a physician assistant named physician assistant Becca, and she's a big St. Bernard mix. And she's actually named after one of our staff members. She works as a physician assistant in New York City by day where they're treating COVID patients all day long. As soon as she's done working her day job, she immediately starts helping out with our dogs, scheduling their medical appointments, making sure they get all the care and treatment they need. Tell us how you can nominate a hero. You can nominate a hero by visiting our Instagram, which is Hearts and Bones Rescue on Instagram. And in there, there's a link for a place where you can fill out our nomination form. And you can also send a link to the person you're nominating so that they can grant us permission to use their name. Seems as if our next guest is on the phone. And just in time as April is National Heartworm Awareness Month, providing the perfect opportunity to emphasize the value of heartworm disease detection and prevention. You know, heartworm infection has been diagnosed in all 50 states. So there are no more excuses for you not to protect your dog, cat and or ferret. And joining us to talk about heartworm detection and prevention is veterinarian Dr. Chris Duke of the Bienville Animal Medical Center, who is the president of the American Heartworm Society. Welcome to the show, Dr. Duke. Thank you. Uh, Wonderful to be here today. Well, I'm going to start out with the first question. Why don't you start out by telling us what are the misconceptions pet owners have about heartworm? I think some people think it's a regional problem, and uh, it's actually nationwide. We've had heartworm cases uh, diagnosed in all 50 states. We just had our last heartworm incidents map released this week uh, with data put out by 6,000 veterinarians across the country. And indeed, we do have all 50 states represented. So that's one misconception. You know, the other misconception that I want you to touch on is I have an indoor pet who doesn't go outside. Do you hear that a lot? I do. And I think that we always know that they go out to go to the bathroom and play with the family for a while. And in just about all cases, uh, pets are exposed to where mosquitoes can go, especially this time of year. And so you have to protect these pets for sure. So has the American Heartworm Society updated their canine heartworm guidelines? And can you review some of those guidelines for us? Yes, absolutely. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we saw it necessary to respond to the circumstances, especially since a lot of veterinarians can't provide the basic services that they normally would this time of year, and especially this time of year when we're under this uh, shelter-at-home order. It's made difficult. Uh, it's made a difficult circumstance for the clients to get to the veterinarians as well. So we had to make an, uh, at least a temporary alteration. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian Dr. Chris Duke, president of the American Heartworm Society, about detection and prevention of heartworm for our dogs and cats. Um, can you give us just a few recommendations about testing and prevention? I mean, obviously, I, I would assume we need to keep our heartworm testing going on, correct? If it's possible, but once again, under these COVID-19 guidelines right now or rules that are in place, we are extending a six-month, uh, if you will, period where veterinarians are okay to waive the testing if, uh, if folks can't get out to the veterinarian to get the blood testing done. Because let's face it, we'd rather give the prevention product over this period than to stop doing that and leave these pets open to infection. Now, we'll say this. When we do sell product to protect these pets, I'm asking veterinarians to put on a reminder for six months out so that you do call them back and don't put this on the back burner too long. That's a great option. So 
Doc, you know there's so many options for prevention. Can you give us and our listening audience some tips for selecting which might be the best for their pet? Absolutely. The good news about heartworm prevention is we've got so many options now. We have the traditional heartworm tablets in the monthly variety. We have the combination drugs that do flea control, internal parasite control, and heartworm prevention. We have the topical products for the dogs that don't fare well with pills. And, of course, those are very popular with our cats as well because of the fact that a lot of folks don't want to pill cats. And, of course, you have not only ProHeart 6 but ProHeart 12 injections out there as one more option. So with injectables, topicals, and tablets out there, you just have to suit the client's need and make sure that the pet is compatible with ever, uh, which with, with ever avenue you choose. Sure. And like, just talk a little bit about when pet owners are going to the vet, what kind of things, you know, will their uh, vet talk about with them? I guess their lifestyle, what's best for them? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, on the phone already twice this morning, because it's, uh, you know, mid to late April already down here on the Gulf Coast, we're having a lot of flea problems and a few tick problems already. And so um, I had a client that was interested in possibly going with a combination pill or a topical, and we talked our way through it, and uh, her dog actually had problems taking pills before, and I said, well, you know what, maybe it's time for you to use a topical because we need to address both. We need parasite prevention for your heartworms and intestinal worms and a good flea prevention. So we ended up getting them a topical combination, but uh, uh, that seemed to be a non-problem with compliance month to month, and so we always talk about that element, too, because injectables are there for the folks that just don't want to deal with it at all. So, once again, a lot of good options out there. Probably about 90% of my heartworm preventative is done with the injectable, and I find that they enjoy giving the six-month rather than the 12-month. It's just the attitudes of the people in my area. Right, and it's for ease and convenience, and this is why it's really a great idea to talk about to your veterinarian about the options that are out there so that you can find the best choice. So if he doesn't engage you, you should engage him and tell him about your lifestyle and what your dog likes and doesn't like. And and the other side of that, too, it's good for the veterinarian to offer those options. Sure, of course, of course. But, you know, sometimes it gets busy and pressured, so at least we're talking about their options out there. What about cats? Are we doing enough to prevent heartworms in our cats? In a word, no. I think a lot of clients that have cats aren't investing in prevention products, and they frankly need to. They've got some great combination products, once again, for cats that are not tablets so that clients don't have to kill cats. When you give, for example, some of the topical products like Advantage Multi and Revolution, you're getting some great state-of-the-art products that do, once again, flea control along with the uh, internal parasite and heartworm control. And the bottom line in cats is we can't treat them with any drugs. You can't get rid of heartworms in cats with any active drug. And so it all comes down to prevention. Absolutely. And I use the recommendations from the society last year where it said approximately 10% of all the new cases of heartworm were in cats. And 25% of those were cats that resided inside exclusively. So that's worth quoting. Hey, Dr. Duke, thank you so much for joining us today. What great information for the rest of the veterinarians as well as our listening audience. Well, thank you, Dr. Fleck, and it's a real pleasure to be here with you and Charlotte today, and I hope everybody stays healthy and stays safe. 
Great. Well, everyone, that was veterinarian Dr. Chris Duke, president of the American Heartworm Society, discussing how we can protect our pets from this deadly and expensive parasitic disease. For more information, visit heartwormsociety.org. Up next, we're going to be talking about global pet news. Stay tuned. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And as we love to say on this show, we're urban, Urban, suburban, and country. And now it's time for Global Pet News. And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. Imagine this. What if you could get a TV and receive another piece of furniture too, but for free? Well, thanks to Samsung... You can. Earlier this month, Samsung Electronics announced it will introduce a new eco-friendly packaging across its lifestyle TV product portfolio in an effort to reduce the environmental footprint. Remember, April is Earth Month. Well, Samsung's newest eco-packaging made from eco-friendly corrugated cardboard will allow customers easier recycling as well as upcycling of the cardboard boxes for creative Reuse. Samsung has applied a dot matrix design on each side and its eco-friendly corrugated cardboard boxes, allowing customers to cut the boxes more easily and assemble them into various other uses. Check this out, such as cat houses, magazine racks, even shelves from the cardboard boxes to store household items and electric devices. Also included within the packaging is a manual guide so customers learn how to make these items out of the cardboard boxes, which can be accessed by scanning the QR code on the box. Earlier this year, Samsung had already won a CES 2020 Innovation Award for its eco-friendly packaging concept for promoting the efficient use of resources. Okay, additionally, the best part is that Samsung and British magazine Dizen have teamed up to launch a global contest seeking innovative designs for the home that can be made by repurposing the cardboard packaging. The Samsung out-of-the-box competition challenges contestants to design household objects that can be built from repurposed cardboard at home. Open for entries until May 29, 2020. The contest is free to enter for anyone who's over the age of 18 and features prize money 
totaling $20,000. So you can hashtag stay creative with hashtag Samsung this hashtag Earth Month and beyond. Find out more at news.samsung.com. $20,000, Dr. Fleck. Doesn't that sound good? Sounds good to me. I might have to get out my knife and my cardboard. Hmm. Okay. Achoo! Well, I've got seasonal allergies. What about you? And so does my dog, Ty. That's right. The same types of environmental allergens that trigger a reaction in people can also irritate your dog or cat, including dander, grasses, weeds, trees, insects, pollen, and mold. So if you're struggling with seasonal allergies, there's a chance your pet might be too. So joining us today is veterinarian Dr. Tomisha Hubbard, who served as the past president of the Tuskegee Veterinary Medical Association. Dr. Hubbard is the founder of the Alabama Veterinary Allergy and Dermatology Service. Dr. Hubbard, welcome to the Pet Buzz today. Hello, how are you guys doing? We're surviving all of this. I hope you are, too. Yes, I'm trying to survive. (laughs) And we're glad to have you back. One of our favorite people is coming back, so I think it's a nice thing. Yes, one of my first questions for you, Dr. Hubbard, is how do you know if your pet has seasonal allergies and what are their symptoms? Well, some of the most common symptoms that we're going to encounter is excessive itching. So if you feel like your pet is itching or scratching more than normal, then that is an indication that your pet could potentially have some sort of allergy. So it's going to be up to your veterinarian to determine uh, what type of allergy your pet is pretty much dealing with. So when when we're speaking about seasonal allergies, then we are referring to those allergies that are caused by the different pollens from the trees or um, the grass pollen. We could even be talking about dust mites and other things in the environment that would cause your pet to have an allergic reaction to it. Like grass, for example. I think grass allergies are really big this time of the year for pets, correct? Correct. So in the spring, we tend to see the grass starting to grow in. It's all green and happy. And then we start to see the trees pollinating. So you get that nice green pollen covering your trees, your cars, and everything. (laughs) So, yes, this is the season where our patients start to have the most problems, especially those that have been diagnosed with seasonal allergies. So now, isn't it true that you can't really cure these seasonal allergies in pets, but instead strive to manage them as best and as efficiently as possible? There is an actual way to cure it, and that is with a medication called immunotherapy. And so what the immunotherapy is, is we take those actual allergens that the pet is allergic to, and we formulate an allergy serum based off of those things that they have allergies to. So let's just say, you know, your dog has allergies to Bermuda grass or fescue grass and oak trees. So we can take those allergens and we can put them into a serum and we can actually give the pet injections of that serum once a week in order to retrain the pet's immune system. And when we retrain their immune system, 
it teaches their body how to fight off those particular allergens. And so that is the only known cure for environmental allergies. Now, everything else that we use, steroids, antihistamines, apoquil, cytopoints, those things are all a band-aid. So they don't cure environmental allergies. They just help to control the symptoms of environmental allergies or seasonal allergies. Okay, first comment. It sounds time-consuming and expensive. I mean, week after week going to the vet. It definitely can be a little bit expensive. So the way we have to identify what is actually causing your pet a problem is by doing an intradermal skin test. Then we formulate that allergy serum. And what happens is, like I said, your pet would build up an immune safety to those things. And that's primarily for dogs, right? Yes, it is. It is for dogs, correct. Well, that leads me into my next question. What about cats? And are cats who spend time outside more likely to get seasonal allergies than strictly indoor cats? And what is the typical course of allergy treatments for cats? So when we're talking about cats, the go-to drug to treat cats for allergies is going to be atopica or cyclosporin. And so we use that. It is an immunosuppressive drug but we will use that to control the allergic itching. And so it will help with clearing up the skin lesions on the cat, and it will also help with controlling the itch. And so a topical is something that needs to be given on a daily basis to cats. So it comes as a liquid version. You can also get it in a capsule version. And then there are some compounding pharmacies that will also compound it for you. So you can get it in you know, uh, a chewable form or what have you. But in most cases, it's a liquid or a capsule. Wow. I've learned so much today about seasonal allergies. You helped me with my practice. (laughs) 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 Well, everyone, you know, that was Dr. Tamisha Hubbard, owner of Alabama Veterinary Allergy and Dermatology at Tuskegee University College of Veterinary Medicine. See, that's the key why we have Dr. Hubbard here, because not only does she practice, she also teaches. Yes. So she knows what she's talking about. Yes. Okay. So for more information, reach out to her at alvetderm. Alvetderm. Okay. Alvetderm. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. Dr. Hubbard, that was very enjoyable. it It was. It was great. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. It's always too soon to wrap the show. Always is incredibly early. But before we go, we want to give you a preview about next week's show. Well, next week we're going to talk about COVID-19 testing for animals, Lyme disease, and medical detection dogs. But we'd like to have special thanks for our guests this week, Scott Giacopo, Dr. Chris Duke, and Dr. Tomisha Hubbard. And, of course, we must thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin-coated ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And if you have a question, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll, <laughs> we'll try to cover it next week. We sure will. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the link podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you Take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. 
The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.